Welcome to Tool Talk, the weekly podcast for Toolaholics, where all your DIY, home improvement, automotive, and tool-related questions are answered, and your need, physical need to talk tools is completely served. And now, the host of Tool Talk, Chuck Cage and Sean O'Hara from Toolmonger.com, the web's first tool blog. I'm Chuck. I'm Sean. Welcome to Tool Talk, podcast number 54. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2009. If you'd like to give us a call, you can call us at 866-718-9403. That's 866-718-9403. Or you can email us at C-H-C-C-A-G-E C-C-A-G-E, or S-O-H-A-R-A. S-O-H-A-R-A, not like the airport. That's right, at toolmonger.com. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> you want to jump right into the top five? Okay. Yeah, the uh, the top five. Uh, let's see here. No, No crazy chicken music? Well, yeah. Okay. Here you go. Okay. We got the crazy chicken music out of the way. Uh, We go to uh, number five, which uh, this week is the Paint Miser uh, Hides Other 10-in-1 Tool. Uh, Oh, yeah. Did you see this thing? I did. It's awesome. This could have just been named the cheap bastards paint scraper. <laughs> um, it's, it's it, much more effective. Oh yeah. I think it did probably sell more actually. Um, basically what this thing does is it's got all kinds of little, uh, hooks and sides and areas and everything to get the paint out of a can. Uh, <laughs> it's got like a lip scraper and it's got a, a an under the lip scraper. And, and you know, this, when you want every last every freaking drop, drop. Yeah, you you get everything <laughs> with this one, and That's it's got funny. a you know a lid opener and a lid closer. But but really, it the was other the eight functions are all, all scraping paint. Scraping paint, man, you get everything out of this. <laughs> it's got some to like get the drips off the side. It's got stuff to get the drips around the lip. I mean, it's it's got everything. So um, you know, I I laugh at that, but the truth is, like I I was I was painting one of the rooms in in the house. Uh, and it, it was brown, right? This real dark. I know it sounds awful. I swear it looks kind of cool. <laughs> it was this dark brown, right? And uh, I opened the second can because I didn't want to, like, scrape the last little bit out of the first can, right? Yeah, they're not identical. No, of course not. You know, because they're not. That's that's how... <laughs> that That is how the, the world of physics applies to, to paint. <laughs> they are never identical, you know? Although so, they can probably get a little closer if you stir real good. Yeah, well, and the other problem is, is that the paint sits for a while, you know, and they sit in the attic or something in it. Oh, you did it, it over a time, over yeah, time? Yeah, well, oh, I mean, you... it was like a couple of days, but it could have gotten a little hot or something. Who knows, you know? Yeah, it was it was a little different the second uh-huh. time around. You could see it. I mean, it wouldn't have been a problem if you, like, did the other wall in it or something. Sure. But, like, when you do half a wall with one and, the, you know, half a wall with the other. A little touch up a with the other. right down the middle. It really <laughs> looks like crap. You're like, well, that's not gonna work so yeah i went back and scraped out the remainder and uh used it to Blending. cover and yeah it, it looked okay but yeah so there you go there's always a use yeah and uh sometimes they're a little less than uh what you might think so it's yeah. but this one i'm a cheap bastard man I, <laughs> I'd, I'd use that i'm with you uh the next one is uh the grizzly handheld pneumatic sander Ah, yeah. Do you see this one? This I did. is a uh, think um, oscillating spindle sander, only smaller, and you can use it with your. You know, you can just hold it. Uh, basically, um, this is also for those uh, people who don't have like the multi hundreds of dollars to set up a little little drum sander, a little mm-hmm. spindle sander. Uh, this will this will work the same way, except it's uh, pneumatic powered. Yeah, don't you have some trouble, like, I mean, it's it's portable. You hold it in your hand, right? Right. So don't you have some problems with, like, getting things straight with it? Well, I wouldn't, but, you know. <laughs> I use senders like sculptors, uh, man. That's, yeah. a, that's a sculpting yeah, tool that's as far right. as I'm concerned. But yeah, For those of us who haven't been to our college <laughs> and don't know how to do that useful stuff. It's true. I mean, you, yeah, you, you learn it, stuff it like be, that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's useful. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the, uh, I'm not making fun. I'm being serious. It's yeah, like, you know how to do that. You're right. I have seen Sean here, for example, for those of you listening, uh, take a belt sander and do things with it that nobody's supposed to be able to do. <laughs> you know, and quite honestly, most people could not. Well, you know, 
yeah, I've gotten some flack for that. Like, well, I'm just doing the belt sander. Like, <laughs> but are I you think you're the exception as well, opposed to the rule. Probably. It's possible that that could be correct. Um, <laughs> the Generally speaking, it might be a little harder. I think this is more for like insides of, of curved objects anyway is, mm. is where I would think you might use this. Um, I could see that. Uh, that might work a little bit better, although still you got to be careful about rounding off the corners. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and which would be the problem because on a on a fixed spindle sander, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you just move it around and it's that's fine. Right. You know, that's right. Um, you might take too much off, but it's not going to round the corners. Yeah, off. you got to be careful about that if you're not used to it. That that could be a problem. Um, what did readers think about it? You know, it was reasonably positive. Yeah. Um, some people were just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I think it's important to note that a lot of times when people vote these into the top five, it's not necessarily because they think it's the greatest thing ever. No. It's uh, either, it could be that they think it's incredibly stupid, or they think it's really cool, or they think it's an interesting idea. Right. Those are kind of... Yeah, the the main three yeah. that we see. You know, hate it, love it, interesting. Right. You know, or it was fun, or you know, something funny about right, it, or right, something right, like right. that. Um, Many so, of those fall into the incredibly stupid category. Yes, um, I think this one was um, more interesting yeah. than anything else, uh, as far as uh, the the reader interest in it. Although I I can see some like you some flaws in yeah, it right. already, but right. uh, other than that, you know, it was it was fairly solid. What's up next? Uh, I think uh, next is um, my uh, small editorial piece. Ice isn't always cool. Oh, right. This um, is funny. Yeah. I remember when this happened. You were pissed. I was not happy. Well, you just spent a bunch of cash on your AC system anyway. Yeah. It's, it, it, was, uh, it was bad for a while. Um, incidentally, uh, there are uh, several things that if you have... Uh, <laughs> If you have not figured out yet, might be a an excellent time to do that before yours uh, has the same problem I did. Here's here's a little tidbit for you. Um, if your filter um, now, a lot of people almost you know almost everybody knows you got to change your filter. You know everybody sure. does that, um, or at least you should. Uh, everybody knows that. they should. Everybody knows they should, right? Uh, every month or, or whatever, especially if you got animals and with, right. with hair and all that stuff. Um, the other thing um, I didn't know was sometimes, uh, in fact, all the time, if you, especially if you have a, a AC unit like ours, um, it requires a certain amount of airflow through that thing. Now, if you have a clog filter, that's obviously a problem, but you can also have a filter that, that is too fine and doesn't let enough airflow through. Actually, you know, this makes a lot of sense because it's the same kind of thing like like when the blower motor in your car goes out. Right. You know, you really don't want to be running the AC because there's nothing to take that uh, to take that that cool air that 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 I want to say coldness, but it's not. It's the, to 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 remove you know to to bring some heat in to give the system something to transfer. Right. You know. Yeah. It's like essentially if you don't if you don't provide some warmer standard air in to be cooled, then eventually it just ices up. Right, and then it's not moving anything. Uh, yeah, right. So it's it's very and in bad. fact it can do damage. Yes, and it can uh your compressor is still trying to pull air. Um if it's running, your compressor's still working. So um what actually happened with mine is my filter was too fine and Yeah, you had one of those like allergen small filter kind of things, right? Yeah. And, and then the dog hair was getting in it and And all the rest of that stuff. And it just wasn't I mean, after about a week or two it was just struggling and right. I'm like, God, what is the problem? And it finally started icing over when it started getting about ninety ninety five here <laughs> or eighty five ninety here. Like, um uh oh. Yeah, I mean it just quit working and you know, for a couple of days in a row and I go up and and it's iced over and of course you shut it down and then run the fan to cool it off or you know, to to get the ice off of it. Yeah, de ice it and and then it'd run fine for a little while. And uh, that's that was kind of a problem. So I uh, I called the the uh, the AC guy back out. He's a good dude, helps us out, and uh, came out and he's uh, he's like, man, it shouldn't be doing this. It's not leaking. It's not low on on refrigerant. You know, it's not real. Low he on sees the solid dog hair filter. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, man, what? Because I had changed the filter just like two weeks ago. Right. You know, it wasn't it wasn't even full of dog hair yet. You know, and uh, he's like, oh, man, you idiot. Uh, this is way too fine. You have a high flow system and you need something that'll let it through. So this is what you need to do. It's not really going to work with anything other than, you know, a, a rather, um, I guess, thick fiberglass filter, right. you know, which is what I need to run through mine. 
um, that will provide, that'll catch the dog hair. You know, if you want allergies, he's like, go get a separate HEPA filter, put it in your living room and call it a day. You know, if you um, had allergies, you would have problems. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, he's like, you don't need you, that. You don't, you need to protect the coils and protect the, the AC unit itself <laughs> from getting particles and hair and dirt on it. And other than that, you want to filter the air in your house, do it with something else. Don't do it with this. And, uh, so yeah, that's, um, that was a hundred twenty dollar lesson for <laughs> for anybody who doesn't free for any of you listening free, free. for anybody who does, yeah so and it's been working fine for like a month now so that <laughs> probably was it so uh, yeah uh, good to know good piece of information yeah the next one was actually probably my favorite of oh, the yeah? week yeah the uh, uh, let me see if I can get this pronounced here Fenner. F-E-N-N-E-R. Fenner? Fenner, yeah. The Fenner Power Twist V belts. These okay. things are cool. It looks sort of like a, a motorcycle chain or a chainsaw chain, except it's these uh, interconnecting little uh, rubber hooks, I guess, basically, that take the place of a V belt. And the, the hook goes through the body of the next one and comes down to form the V, basically, of the V belt. And uh, they're like whisper quiet they last forever and they uh, are for a long time and what are these intended to be uh replacements for uh anything that requires a v-belt like automotive or Uh, no not auto like like power tools oh you know that that type of thing uh not nowhere near the speeds of of an auto you know a car or something like that per se but um or, or the stress i guess but they last a lot longer than those uh you know quote unquote cheap replacement belts um, these things are uh, pretty hefty and they, they don't require, I mean, particulate matter and dirt don't throw them around and they, they, uh, they're not loud like some of those belts can be and they don't fray <laughs> and the, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of cool stuff with them. So they're, I'm actually looking at trying some out, um, in the near future. Like, uh, I'm going to see if, uh, I can get one small and fulfill my, uh, belt, uh, my, uh, belt descender station. Yeah, you've had issues with that before. Yes, yes, I have. In fact, I wrote a post about it uh, sometime <laughs> last year. I was uh, infuriated, it'd probably be a better word. But yes, um, something like that that's, you know, it's not really super fast, but it runs for a long time and replacing it's a pain in the ass. So uh, I, I'm kind of looking at it for one of those. So they come in different sizes and, and that kind of thing. So they look pretty cool. Nice. Nice, and I believe this is number one. Number one, and this was uh, use truck steak pockets for something oh, useful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've it, seen a number of cool things that fit in those. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, like, my dad has on his truck, he's got these uh, fold-down hooks, you know, that are, mm-hmm. like, chromed and everything. Oh, you yeah, can, like, sure. tap them on one side, and the hook comes out, and you can hook stuff to them. Well, this one is a uh, basically a, uh, a lock uh, that slides down in there, and it's like a cable lock. Um, in fact, it is a cable lock that just happens to fit inside that, that stake hole <laughs> right. or, uh, or hook hole, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And, uh, have you ever seen anybody put a stake in one? Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? No, I, uh, I used to, uh, in the summers when I was, uh, Oh, well, I don't know. I was in my teens somewhere. Smaller. Yeah. Younger. Um, I used to, uh, see, you know, do some work and, uh, like lawn care and stuff like that. And they used to put, uh, like in an old Chevy, like 2,500, <laughs> they used to put the stakes in there and then string, uh, uh, steel Why? bar before, yeah. you know, st- you know, steel bar between them and then hang all kinds of utensils from them and stuff like that. So yeah, I've seen them used before. Um, very rarely. Yeah, I was going to say like not that. that often, you know, most of the time you see bungees or, or rope, tied in there or sticks or or not sticks, but you know, like uh, someone to use a chain and and hook it in there or um, the way I normally use them is with, uh, uh, you know, cargo straps, uh, crap. What do you call them? You know, the ratchet tie downs. Yeah. Yeah. Ratchet tie downs. Thank you. Um, I use them with those, you know, but uh, this is probably more for the the professional guy who's cable locking his tools and uh, in the back of his truck or doesn't have a, a camper or something like that on the back of his truck, which there are uh, people like that. And uh, if you're putting a, a $700 table saw in the back of your truck because <laughs> you have to, you probably want some way to lock it down other than a dude sitting on the back of your tailgate with a shotgun. I don't know. So, I, if I given a choice of a dude sitting on my tailgate with a shotgun 
or a cable lock, I'd go for do with shotgun. But well, me too. But you and I never leave our tools alone. So. <laughs> We're a bad example. Plus, yeah. that wouldn't be very cost effective. I mean, no. if you you know, it would be cheaper to just you know buy a camper shell or or maybe buy extra tools for the side. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, exactly. but given the choice, I but mean, given the choice. Yeah. But, uh, for those of us, uh, or for those of you who don't, uh, don't do that, do the cable lock in the, in the hole is fine. I remember I visited Mexico city about 10, 12 years ago and, uh, was walking down a, a street and there's a jewelry store, you know, and outside of the door to the jewelry store, there are two dudes with shotguns. <laughs> You know, it was a common sight. At least it was kind of like the the dude with the shotgun. That was their way of saying, "Yeah, don't mess with this." You know, probably and effective. It, it, yeah. it seemed to work anyway. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that there were a whole lot of people thinking about ripping off the store anyway. But now, hopefully, the guy with the shotgun doesn't go. You know, <laughs> I need some jewelry. I need some jewelry, and <laughs> I could take it down there to the pawn shop. The kind of freaky thing. I was staying at the uh, Hotel Intercontinental, and there were dudes with shotguns in front of it too. <laughs> <laughs> which which kind of worried me at first, and then after a while, which I was like, "Worried me." And I'm like, "Why are there dudes with shotguns in front?" Of them? Like, no, that's normal. Like, no, it's not. You know, we walk down. There's dudes in front of the jewelry store. There's like dudes in front of the bank. I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> that's, that's what you do here." <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know, instead of instead of you know a sign that says "Please don't mess with our stuff," there's do with shotgun. That's just uh, that just means there's stuff of value at that location. Right. You know, or something. And it will cost you a lot to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Inappropriately. <laughs> yeah. That's the same thing with the back of the truck. You yeah, know, you, you know. do with a shotgun in the back of the truck. I just, you know, that would say, you know, move on. You know, my dad always used get to. The, get the yeah. next truck stuff because <laughs> it'll be, it'll be cheaper. My dad yeah. always used to tell a story. He was in the service and during Vietnam and everything. And he used to, to. You know, they'd, they'd, uh, he'd fix radios and, and gear and everything. And they'd bring him the way it worked was, you you know, they'd bring him in a plane and drop him off. And then when he got off the plane, they would give him what he needed. You know, most of the time right. they give him gear, or, you know, tools or, or something <laughs> like that. And, and he said, uh, one time I got off the plane or a couple of times I got off the plane and they hand you your tools, a flak jacket, grenades, an M16 and, and, uh, you know, yeah, an armed guard. Sign. He's like. I don't think I'm going to enjoy this, you know. Uh, that's an indicator. Yeah, that's, that's one of those bad things. Maybe bad. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was uh, number one for the uh, for this week, and uh, uh, we had some some uh, a few weeks go by without it, but uh, still, it's uh, it was an interesting week, indeed. been spending more time in the shop lately than you have in the last few months i have been so busy i have yeah i wrote a post the other day that it was uh it was absolutely true that you know i I looked back fondly on december of 08 because it was the last (laughs) time my shop was freaking functional at home (laughs) it Um, wasn't that bad it's just that you had some projects going and then the holidays hit and then some work stuff hit and some other, you know how it is. Yeah. And it Everybody just kind of dogpiled. And, and next thing you know, my shop's shop not working. You know? It's chock full of half finished projects and gear and yeah, a mess. Other people's crap and a mess and boxes. <laughs> and, and it's just, it was like, okay, this is, I'm done with this. So um, what I did actually is uh, I decided that not only was I going to get the crap out of there, but I was going to make uh, the shop as useful as I could, and I I started. Uh oh, um, here yeah, it comes. I started. You did by, the dreaded. I'm gonna reorganize the shop. I did. I did for the uh, for the first time in in the the home shop's current location. <laughs> I ripped everything out and uh, moved it around. Moved it around. The only thing I didn't really rip out and move was the big cabinet that I built, which 
is kind Unrip of rip out a movable. Yeah, it's it's probably close to a thousand. Have you posted a picture of this thing? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. It's awesome. You know, when I first built it, you know, Chuck likes to make fun of me, but uh, you know those oh, shells I just, will. It's, it's funny. Those it's, shells will hold depleted <laughs> uranium, my friend. I, he used two by fours on the shelf vertically. Yeah, and and uh, I know why you did it because you had it. And it was one of those zero dollar projects, literally. Yeah. Like it was leftover crap from other projects that became this bookcase. I mean, this, uh, you know, this, this cabinet. cabinet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of funny. We always, we, we, you take it in good nature though. Sure. It's like, I mean, I was, I was making a joke about it the other day about how you were going to use it to what carry paper you know yeah. i was trying to think of something paper yeah <laughs> <laughs> what do you have in there three sheets of shed paper it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a four foot high fit. cabinet you yeah. know and it's four <laughs> shelves one sheet each yeah exactly <laughs> you know we got 80 grit on the bottom all the way up to you know so uh, no, but seriously that but thing yeah, is, is solid it's, it's not something you really want to move around. no it's big it's solid it doesn't move around good but it does keep every you know a lot of stuff in it but is it uh, actually hooked to the wall no i, I don't know you'd need to Dear God, man, if that thing falls over, there are, there, you know, you tornadoes have hit my yeah, house or something. It's not moving, okay? Yeah. It's got, it, I mean, it's got an air compressor in there, my shop vac, all my, you know, I mean, almost all my power tools. I mean, it's the Your portable sheets of sandpaper. Ones. Yeah, you know, on the top shelf, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's got all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's not, got all kinds, it really does. It, it's got just kinds. tons of crap in it, and it's got stuff on the doors and everything. The only thing I haven't added is foam around the uh, the front. Uh, so that no dust can get in when it's closed. You know, that's about it. Um, you know, got the big wood latch on it and everything. So, um, yeah, no, but, uh, that was pretty much the only thing that didn't move, um, in my little workbench there. Um, everything else came out and, uh, cleaned it all up and everything. And then I started, um, uh, looking at workflow, uh, which is something that you'll see a lot of people will, will tell you, Oh, you need to have your shop perfectly arranged so that, you know, you can bring it in and out the other side comes projects. Well, that's yeah, great. See, here's but, the problem with that. But it doesn't always work like that when you're living in the real world space. Well, you know? there are a couple of reasons that that sort of approach does not work often for for home shops. You know, it works like in a cabinet shop where you're building a certain kind yeah, of cabinet all the time. Yeah, it's the same stuff. I mean, yeah, you're simplifying a known production run. But yeah. the, the problem is, is I see a lot of people approach this this way, I think mistakenly. Like either one, they're really into building X, whatever that might be, you know, at the time, be it, you know, bookcases or, or dressers or furniture or cabinets or whatever. Right. right yeah. So they, they lay out the shop to build those things. And mm-hmm. then they realize that, you know, you can only build so many bookcases or cabinets in your house before your house is freaking full. Yeah. And now you're going to build other things. Sure. And now your layout is not right. Well, and here's another one too: is is your your taste change, but your tools also change, right? Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, so true. I mean, just from the the two and a half, three years that I've had my shop operational, my tools have radically changed, and the things that true. I do have changed too. But um, the the setup that I have is very different than what I started with. See, I think I think it kind of leads you down two paths. Number one is don't be afraid to be multitasking and to design your shop. For multitask, because that's what you're going to end up doing. Yeah. You're going to end up doing all sorts of crap in your shop. Now, I mean, if, if this doesn't apply to you, good for you, you know, but I right. think the vast majority of us, I mean, when you're talking about a garage or you're talking about a little shop building out back where you're going to do your projects, you know, this is the kind of thing where, yes, you're going to, you may do a large number of a certain kind of project, but you're also going to take on whatever the hell comes up. Right. And, and you need space and the ability to do that. The other thing I think that kind of burns a lot of people, or at least ones I've seen, is is creating a very built-in situation, like making large changes in the shop and and building large fixtures to support a particular setup and equipment. Right. And then that equipment changes or your tastes change or your needs change. Or you realize that, you know, it's not going to work there. So, and sometimes that's really cool. All right. Yeah, I, I, mean, I agree. It can really work out well. And especially if you, you know, look, this is going to have to be here. This is the only place for it. This is where I'm going to put it and it's going to work here forever. And if it doesn't, I'll just work around that. That's fine. You know, but, see, but don't corner yourself like that. If you, if you're not sure, you know, or, uh, if you, uh, if you're, 
especially anytime you do something that's absolutely like the cabinet I have is absolutely freaking huge. It's eight feet tall okay, and four feet but wide. But the thing is, you know? is it's, but it's, on, a, in, it's in a place where it's not really going to need to move. Right. You always need storage. Right. You know, I'm talking about like a good example in your shop would be you're in a two car garage, mm-hmm. you know, and you have kind of one bay for the shop all the time and the other you can use as expansion. Right. As long as, you know, as long as I park the, the, the missus's car outside for a little while, it's, and, it's you okay. Know, take the crap you know, that comes take with that. The crap. Either yeah. way, you're okay. But the point here is like, say you decided, hey, you know, I really want to use some of that metal space. And uh, so what I'm going to do, there are a couple of ways you could approach this. You could say, well, I'm going to build a big ass fixture cabinet, you know, that takes goes down that metal space and holds my equipment. Right. Which is great. And, and a valid really option. Cool. Yes. Except that then if your equipment changes, well, now you're in trouble. Or if all of a sudden you say, you know, I changed my mind. This weekend, I want to drop this big ass project sideways in the whole garage and work on it. Right. You can't do that. Right. I see you do something that I think is really cool, which is stopping just short of that, you know, coming yeah. up with a temporary solution or, or a usable solution that either, and it doesn't necessarily have to be fully mobile. Uh, it could be as simple as I've seen you build a cheap, quick table yeah. <laughs> that you're not going to mind cutting up and throwing away Exactly. if you change your mind, you know, it's <laughs> true. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there are lots of ways to accomplish a sort of, you know, it it it, accom- it it does the same job. It does what you need done, like maybe make a tool available in a particular location. But it's not something where you put so much effort into the into the location of the tool that you no longer have a choice. And I see you use a lot of mobile stuff whenever possible. Too. I do. Um, I like my stuff to, to move around and everything, because uh, quite honestly, I do a lot of um, the projects I do, as you mentioned before, are are largely dynamic in scope you know you can be doing a huge piece of furniture at one time you'd be building you know fine scale modeling at another and it really doesn't you don't really know what kind of space you're going to have at any given time and how much of it you're going to have to be using for what or whatever and what makes sense so what i normally try and do is uh one i work with uh largely portable power tools so you know it can go to the space but the other one is like you said um i like to keep a lot of things on wheels if I can sure. or, or something that's movable so that you can, okay, if this isn't going to work or you're going to need like this little station here all day and somebody's going to be over there all day, you just move it over there and they do that and it's fine. <laughs> I have a great example of something that I saw you do in your shop that I think is, is a cool way of approaching this. You know, uh, for those of you listening who don't already know this, Sean is into uh, scale modeling. Yes. And uh, he has a cool little, uh, airbrush paint rig that mm-hmm. he uses to to paint these models. Now, most people I've seen either just set everything up loose on the bench, you know, and, and set it up and tear it down and just leave it scattered around, which is kind of a paint. Or they build a paint booth on their bench. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? I just couldn't justify it. I thought about it, but I'm like, man, that's stupid. Yeah, you probably yeah. could. I mean, yeah. you do a lot of it. I, you probably would be fine with that. But the thing is, I just think it made up... What he ended up doing is he just built this little... I don't know. It's about a three-foot-tall stand table mm-hmm. thing. Yep. I mean, if you could say, it's out of two-by-fours and leftover uh, Pine, ply yeah. and crap that we had. <laughs> you know, little bits and pieces that were cut off projects. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, end of a piece and that kind of crap that were in the bin. The bin itself is a good example of this yeah. as well. But um, So this little table, essentially, he can pick it up. It has the, the compressor and... and uh, Paints and the airbrush container or the right. airbrush rig. And a couple little shelves that hold the paint and all right. that stuff with it. It's like a little... It's a little rig, you know, and, and it's not on wheels or anything. You just pick no. it up and put it where you want it. And I've seen this thing sitting next to your bench. Yep. I've seen it sitting on your bench. Yep. I've seen it sitting in the middle of the floor in the garage. <laughs> yep. You know, next to some uh, paper on the floor and a model strung in some funky position with paint all over it, you know. <laughs> I, I've i seen this thing all over the place. I've seen it in the corner Next to the big cabinet you're talking about, yep. stowed. Which is where it spends some of its time. Right. Yep. This, to me, is a good solution. It, it's not fancy. No. It's, it's not, nobody's going to look at it and go, wow, I want to feature that, except us, probably. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know? <laughs> well, you'll notice. We're the only dumb bastards out there who like are actually uh, into the solution you could actually do. It's actually a year and a half old. It's never been on Toolbogger, so we're probably not going to feature it. at some but, point. I don't know. That's pretty cool. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a... It's a, a very Sean answer to the question. Yeah, I just... Uh, I'm like, man, this... Man, I just can't imagine where this is going to live permanently, so we're just going to make sure it can live everywhere, you know? And yet... It's like you, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's what I was saying. You took like 80%, uh, you got 80% of the way there, but you didn't take that last step that gives you the final 10 or 15%. You know, you can never quite get there completely. Right. Except you trade so much for that. Yeah. That it's not worth it. You know? Yeah. It's now like, you know, a permanent fixture and this yeah, just you, goes away when you need it to. You did the easy 80% and yeah. then stopped, <laughs> which is, I think... I think an important way to think about laying out a shop, especially a home shop where space is tight and where you don't know exactly what you're going to be doing. Yeah. Now, some stuff, um, it worked out to I knew exactly what it was going to be like. I have this uh, thing and, and I originally started out with like this this you know, BS little shelving unit that held my miter saw on top and mm-hmm. my right. compressor on bottom, you know, and it was okay. It worked pretty good. And I really liked it there because I, it was in the center of everything, which I used the crap out of that miter saw right. and the compressor, which there's no real other good place to put it. And, um, you know, the way my shop is that, that unit cannot be a built in because my attic, uh, access ladder right. is right above that and it has to fall down and it's just a real pain in the ass yeah so that has to be movable so what i did um this this time around is i yanked it out of there and you know reassembled the shelf somewhere else and built a little uh two by four and plywood construction because you know it's it's what we had. That's what I what I had. It's always and, laying around. Uh, yeah, I always have two by fours it's like laying it's around metal. somewhere. It's metal. It's made out of one inch square tube. Yeah, you know. There's a bunch laying around. Um, so I did that and then put it on uh, uh, lockable wheels so that uh, what it can do is, you know, it, it goes flush against the wall, so it has the miter saw there and the, and the compressor underneath it. I also put some hooks on the uh, the runners for it in the front so I could wrap my cord around because <laughs> uh, I was always, like, fishing it out and it was always tied in knots and everything. So I was like, screw that. We'll just make some some uh, hooks for it now it's in front where you can get at it and everybody can wind it up and it's out of the way um but also it can roll around and i can get up in the attic whenever i want to without with just unplugging the miter saw and the uh nice uh, compressor and it's no problem you know two plugs slide it out and it's good you know that's the kind of thing that you have to think about especially i mean a lot of people if you've got a 40 by 40 and plenty of room and drops everywhere (laughs) I got news for you. My dad had a awesome. 40 by 40 and I wasn't enough room in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> and, and some people have uh, limited space. You know, I'm restricted to pretty much one side of the garage and that's just how it is. But a lot of my stuff is on wheels and you can do a lot of things with that. And a lot of people will tell you that's kind of BS. But honestly, if you have locking wheels and you design it right so that, you know, the wheels like Hell flip yeah. up, it isn't going anywhere. Yeah. You know, no, there are good and bad ways to yeah. put things on wheels. And, and there are some things that do well on wheels and some things that do not. Right. And uh, honestly, there there are things that work well for that, and uh, it's it's a decent solution. And if you don't like that, you don't have to do that. No. The other thing is, um, don't buy into, uh, and, and I hear this all the time: is uh, don't buy into people who uh, try and and convince you that this system is going to work for you. And, oh yeah, right. And you can't. And I know see what you how, mean by that. You know? When you say system, you're like. You know, if you're a woodworker, the saw, you know, your saw needs to go here and this needs to go there. And then yeah. you position this 90 degrees so you can turn from here to there and do X. And it's like, okay, look, if you're not in a production environment, you're probably going to see less benefit from being able to turn from tool A to turn tool B, you know, when you're doing this one particular task, than you will being able to do project A with wife's car B in <laughs> space C. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? You know, the uh, I kind of go with, uh, and and sometimes that works out, but honestly, I go with, can I find and get to all my tools? And do I have room to do almost anything I need to do? If the answer is yes, then it's a successful shop. You, you know what the, and, and, and I can totally hear you saying this. So, I mean, tell me if I'm mischaracterizing you, but... I think the biggest rule here is that if if designing and laying out building cabinetry or or laying out your shop or shop fixtures takes precedence for any serious period of time over using your shop, this is bad. 
Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, and there are going to be people who disagree with that, but you know, damn you know, man. You know, in uh, in <laughs> this is funny. You know, I I I played the bass and I I played in bands for a number of years and. And a lot of times, you know, bass players will get what they call uh, gas gear acquisition syndrome. Oh, yeah. It's like where you get so excited about your instrument and your, you know, your amp and your gear that you just you just spend all your time looking at gear and buying gear, <laughs> trading gear and not playing. Yeah. Which is which is sort of the whole freaking point. You yeah. Know? I mean, you have this stuff so you can build things and do stuff with it and you just uh, if you're not doing that, I mean, I still need to do some, some I have a, a fixed system that I'm going to set up because I, I, I just, one of the things I got in there is one of, I got, you know, your planner sitting over there, which yeah, is right. cool, but I also got my dad shopsmith right. uh, sitting over there with me and it's got, you know, five, six tools that I need to stow and, well, and see, no, that makes I mean, sense. I'm just saying, cause I mean, you do need to have those tools and they need to be out of the way and having them out of the way will dramatically improve your situation. Right. And but the fixture we're talking about, it's probably going to take a couple hours to build. Yeah, probably half a day. You know, I you mean, know. whereas I have known numerous people, I have met, I would say, a significant percentage of the tool people that I've met. Are <laughs> like, oh, my shop is going to be like this, it's and and it's perfect. all about the shop, and it's all about building the shop, and and laying the shop out and what tools are going to go in the shop and trading this tool for that tool. And I need this other tool. And in the end, nothing gets made yeah. in the shop. Yeah. Including the shop. <laughs> well, know? sometimes that happens. I mean, but, but a lot of times it's just nothing at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You just, it's the shop and, you know, you turn the lights on and look at it and, and then don't build anything, <laughs> you know, or keep rearranging it to the point where it's just ridiculous, you know. I just, I just feel like it's got to, you know, the projects. If you're, if you're into working with tools, you need to work with tools. Yeah, I mean, build if you stuff. Want to, like buy and sell tools, then you should that's go cool into the too. tool business. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's cool too. But you need to, you know, that's not In really the, end, the same. They're meant to be used. Yeah, and the base was meant to be played. Yeah, you know. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's real important. And I think, uh, a lot of people can get hung up on the correct way or the right way or, or this is, you know, and, and for God's sake, don't get caught up in the DCS nightmare. You know, anytime <laughs> somebody asks you if you, you know, how is your dust collection system going to be designed? Okay. Look, if you have money and time to set up and room to set up a, a, a dust collection system, great. If not, don't sweat it. Most of the tools have a shop back thing. You can just hook a shop back to it and that's fine. <laughs> all right. Don't worry about it. If you're just setting up your shop and you're not sure what's going on and all that kind of thing, it's not time for a dust collection system for you. You know, use a shop vac. You know, and I think another interesting point from all this comes that in many cases you need to use your shop for its intended purposes for a while to understand. Before you know what you need. Yeah. See, yeah. I had all these crazy ideas about how I was going to lay out. My shop, where which is mostly used for auto work and and some metal work, some metal work, right? yeah, but mostly auto work and metal work, yeah. yeah. And and you know, I had all these ideas. I have, I have, and still own a four by four welding table. Yeah, you know, it raises <laughs> up, and that's a wonderful piece of gear, which you can put nowhere. Well, I mean, I could put it in the shop, and I was going to too. You know, I had it. Well, like, I remember I'm put it here. It's going to be great, and. I realized later, I'm like, this is stupid, you know? I mean, it's a great piece of gear. Hey, if anybody wants to buy it, by the way, I have. <laughs> yeah, it looks I, great, but. It, no, it is. It's a wonderful piece of gear. It's just the problem is that in, you know, in my shop, I sacrifice so much for the benefit of being able to simplify welding tasks a little bit. Welding tasks are not the only things I do. Yeah. In fact, know? it's probably a smaller percentage yeah, than is. the electronics and the auto work that goes on in your that's your right. Personal shop. Yeah. So what ends up, you know, where is it? It's in storage unit. You know, you want to buy a welding table? Give me a call. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in the Dallas area. I'll deliver. Exactly. We'll deliver. Yeah. yeah right. Lifting it's that true. thing it's by true. yourself. No, that's true. It's a little heavy. It's pretty though. Yeah, but I mean, and it has wheels on it. Yeah, I mean, you have your your dad's milling machine. You know, that, You know. Oh, did you finally get rid of that? I did. Oh. Man, because yeah, I I don't need a milling machine bad enough. It was a Bridgeport. I mean, it's like a, yeah. it's a real piece of gear. I mean, you you don't. I just you know I I don't do a lot of machine work, and even if I did, I don't need that big a piece of equipment. I mean, it was just it was a, it was a shop hog. Yeah, you know, it's true. I it realized is. that that 
the care and supporting of that piece of equipment was going to uh, was going to hamper my ability to do things, not improve it. Yeah, totally. So, and it's uh, it, and that's the kind of thing you gotta you gotta remember too is, uh, do you you have tools for what you use? That's right. And uh, if you don't use and it, I think that's part of the problem too. And I've fallen into this. You know, we I think we all have. Everybody does at some point. Which is you want to do X. Yeah. But but maybe you just can't get there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have the time, you don't have the space, you don't have the cash. You don't have the skills. Uh, yeah, you, you don't have time to get the skills yeah. or the cash. To get, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's and all kinds of reasons. You can just get trapped in those situations with all this equipment or, or with a desire and saving and, and you know for this equipment that you may never be able to use. And when it does happen, it first of all, it's all right. It happens to everybody. Second... Um, what, uh, when you finally do get tired of it, there's all kinds of answers for it. Don't lose your head. Don't, uh, don't freak out about it, but, uh, you can normally get rid of some of that stuff, especially if it's, if it's nicer tools or if it's useful to somebody somewhere, you're not just in the, cause I know that gets a lot of people down too. You know, oh man, I got, I got hundreds of hundreds of bucks into this and, and I just, I'm never going to use it. And, and they just get down about it. And then it just sits there because they feel guilty that they never used it or, or <laughs> rarely used it and have a lot of cash in it. You know, don't get that way. Go get something useful, you know, sell it, go get something useful. Um, that's another thing I saw happen a lot. You know, uh, what's that doing? Well, it's just sitting there. I, I just never get around to it and I feel bad. And then, you know, and then they don't want to spend time in their shop because it's full of stuff they don't want. You know, that's yeah. bad. Yeah. I mean, I got to have a table saw because I wanted to build some old furniture now you got a table saw and it eats the shop. Yeah, exactly. So I got a table saw with an really eight foot extension the, on it. You, you know? really wanted to do the brakes on your car, but you can't bring the car in the shop <laughs> because it's because got a table saw. The table saw is in there, <laughs> yeah. or you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is uh, which is one of those things. By the way, incidentally, if you need a, a drill press, man, I, I got one. <laughs> I actually do because. Uh, because I have a, uh, a, a a smithy that I need to get rid of. <laughs> but, but quite honestly, the most metal work I've done with that smithy in the last two years was uh, drilling a hole or two. So Nice. I, I think what I may need to do is just uh, accept your hand-me-down uh, <laughs> well, it's, uh, bench drill press. It's and, a nice uh, one. Well, you remember, you, I think... I did. You gave yeah, it to me, didn't I you? Did. It was a Delta. It's <laughs> nice. You know? I got it for you for your birthday one year. Yeah, it's, it's and, good uh, stuff. It still is good stuff. You and know? I think I need to. I think I need to unload this uh, well cared for and modified Smithy to someone who is in more need of it than me. Yeah, you don't do a whole lot of of uh, machine work. Yeah, machine work. Yeah. I don't have the skills. I mean, I, I I understand some real basic stuff, but to make full use of of that equipment, I would I would need a major investment in, in knowledge. You know, my father was much, was, it was a machinist. So I, I learned a little, but you need more than a little to really make use of it. And truthfully, yeah. for all the times that I've needed something where I really needed to use that tool to do it. And it was within my skills. Most of the time it wasn't anyway, <laughs> but if it was within my skills, I could just go and pay somebody to do it. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that that there's anything wrong with with uh, machine work. I think it's cool as hell. If I, uh, you know, if, well, if I you had the time, you'd do it. Damn right. Yeah. You know, I really would like to know more. But I think I'm getting to the point where I'm I'm starting to accept that I may not have the time to learn that now or in the next five years. Yeah. In which case, I think it's time to move on from the equipment and uh, and and fill that space with something more valuable in the shop. Yeah, totally. And that's uh, that's kind of where I was this weekend. Although mine was uh, or couple weekends ago mine was more uh making room for stuff that i knew was coming you know so and it pissed me off i couldn't get to my tools but <laughs> other than that man it was uh it's good stuff don't uh don't let it get you down and and don't fall for uh any of the standard lines just do what works for you in whatever space because every space is different every space is uh gonna be what you can deal with not That's what right. uh, somebody wants to sell you and it absolutely bottom just the bottom line here do not allow you know the arranging or construction or <sighs> layout of your shop to take precedence over using your shop yeah that's not cool <laughs>
mentioned you you inherited a shopsmith. Man, you know, and and fear not. Uh, this is this is. Uh, I'm not going to be all shopsmith all the time. However, yeah, you are up this until thing, up until you get over the hump of like you know enjoying it and figuring it out and being able to do all the additional things that you couldn't do. Yeah, before. I uh, I recently, you know, my dad was uh, on the horn the other day and uh, uh, he called <laughs> and just out of the blue, he's like, "You want the shopsmith?" Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm like, are you dying? <laughs> are you okay? Are you all right? You're not dying or nothing, are you? And he's like, no, it's just, uh, you know, and he saw me uh, using the belt sander as a joiner, you know, <laughs> uh, which worked fine, by the way. I mean, yeah, you saw what yeah. came out of it. It was Such, fine. In that, and, in, uh, in that situation. Uh, well, no, it worked. You know? <laughs> it BS with me, man. It was worked fine. It took a while, but um, <laughs> it, uh, it worked fine. You know, I mean, the pieces were edged fine and they, they met up great. <laughs> Um, did take a week or so, but it was fine. Um, so he, uh, he hadn't used it in a, in a long while and it had fallen into kind of a dirty, dusty, cobwebby state of untuned disrepair, but, right, right. uh, it was, and I know he's going to give me crap about that, but still, um, no, I mean, I, it, it, it's it was, not because the guy's not doing work in his shop. No, he is. He's, just, he's doing different kinds of stuff. He's just doing stuff that's different and he's not using that particularly you know, that particular system, it's, it's smaller stuff that he uses uh, different tools for. So he just, it doesn't get used a lot. Plus I have another music m- metaphor here. You know, the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, I played the trumpet in high school and college and, and I studied with a pretty, pretty prestigious teacher. Well, I wouldn't say prestigious as much as just an incredibly good teacher. I mean, I learned a lot of really important things that I use in life far outside of that. Anyway, right. enough said. Bottom line is that uh, uh, he was somewhat well-known as well. And at one point, I wanted to buy this very special trumpet. It was a Bach 20, uh, 25th anniversary model, uh, which was really cool. There's a lot to it. Who cares? People listening probably don't really care about the details. Bottom line is, I really wanted this horn. They were hard to find because they made a thousand of them. It was about three or four years after they'd been made, so they were all sold and distributed. And uh, I went looking for one. My instructor helped me look for them. We couldn't find them. Right. Uh, a lot of time went by. I, I, you know, I put the money together to buy it, and it just wasn't available. And finally, he said, "I found one." You know, and I'm like, "Where did you find one?" He's like, "Well, I called my friend uh, Lloyd Filio, who who designed it for Bach." <laughs> and uh, I thought, what the hell? I'll call him. Well, he would never say that, but you know what I mean. Right. And I'll call him and see if he knows of anybody that might have one. And so he called him, and the guy uh, guy says, you know, I, I have one that I'll sell you. Okay, that's cool. What do you want for it? Well, uh, I don't know. What did they sell for originally? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, holy crap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll run it back through the line and have him package it like it was original, you know? And I'm just <laughs> running back through the line. Well, you know, so he did. So I, I get this, I get this, you know, 25th anniversary Bach trumpet in the original case packaged like it was brand new, right? Mm-hmm. Looks brand new, feels brand new. I pull it out and, uh, you know, they were numbered uh, one through a thousand. The one I had was numbered zero, 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 one. <laughs> that was a sample one, wasn't it? No, it was his. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It he was actually, it's printed on the, the center line. valve casing and he kept one, two and three, put them in a drawer. Nice. And then made them when he decided that he wanted one, you know, <laughs> and uh, but he said the reason he sold that one, which was incredibly valuable mm-hmm. um, at a price that was far less than it was worth. You know, when I, I asked him, I'm like, why? Why would you do that? I'm thinking it's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. You know, And he's like, uh, you know, it, it's not right. I, I made it and uh, I had it run through the line and made for me. And I've played it maybe twice in the last three years. Right. And it's just not right uh, to, to put, you know, a really quality instrument. And it was. It wasn't just fancy, you know, with mm-hmm. stuff on it. it. I mean, it had beautiful engraving and other stuff, but uh, it was a, a fine instrument. He's like, it's just wrong to put it in a closet and just let it rot, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think it takes, I think it takes a, a really sharp person, you know, and, and it takes a person who really understands the core of those kinds of things to say, okay, look, it's not about, you know, the value of this item. It's not about the, uh, you know, the, you know, I have it. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's meant about to be, using it. Yeah, it's meant to be used, and it and it wasn't being used. And it's what your dad did. Yeah, it's exactly what he did. You know, it's I know it's, it's a, real special to him. I know that. Yeah, it's a fine piece of gear too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, it's uh, they've been making that. Uh, it's a Shopsmith Mark V, and uh, he. Uh, That's the latest one, right? Well, technically, there's a Mark Seven headstock out. Oh, I see. Um, I see. And there's some different rails and stuff you can get and everything. But basically, if you want to go buy a Shopsmith right now. You go get a Shopsmith Mark V. Right, right. It is the basically uh, the, I guess, top of the line thing that that Shopsmith. Well, had. knowing Shopsmith, if you if you really wanted to, you could probably buy the parts to convert yours to the new one. You can. Almost everything is interchangeable. You can get different legs for it. You can. I mean, even if you have like a Mark III headstock and you want to convert it to a Mark V, you can. If you want to put a Mark V headstock on different rails, you can. If you want to, <laughs> I mean, you can, and that's why it was kind of cool because it's built to be used for however you need to use it. You can mount them vertically if you need to. You can, I mean, like on a wall, you can just take the rails and mount the headstock vertically. If you only use are going to use it as a, as a bench press or a uh, uh, drill press, you can mount it on the wall like that. You can put it on the ground. You can put it, you know, wherever you need to do this will work for you and which is what it's built to do. And, uh, um, the, the Mark five is what I had. It's probably close to 30 years old. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not, uh, it's not quite as old as me, but it's only, I, I remember <laughs> it showed up new in the house when I was like five or six. You were a so, small child. Yeah. It's real close to 30 years old. Um, so it's, uh, it's this, I guess semi-compact uh, type of deal. It's uh, uh, originally was billed as six tools in one, uh, uh, five or six tools in one. Uh, it's got uh, innately. It's got a uh, a lathe and a uh, drill press and a table saw and uh, uh, some other things on it. And then you can get attachments for it, like a uh, eleven inch bandsaw with a six inch cut depth, uh, which I have. Uh, you can get a, a belt sander attachment for it. You can get a, uh, a joiner for it, and and uh, it's also the one I have also has a, a little jigsaw attachment. I mean, it's it's a full featured shop you know <laughs> um the thing about the the shopsmith is you can make almost anything with it it's it's in a uh, a very small space the the thing is it's like a transformer you know <laughs> uh there are some if you want to there are certain things that you can do in ones like you can run the bandsaw you can uh, uh move the headstock run the table saw you can you know make a disc sander you can do all kinds of stuff without major without major right stuff now the the things that you're gonna have to change for is a lathe Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Lay, that's all it can do if it's doing right. lay. Uh, drill press, you got to release a latch, and then the whole thing flips vertical on the stand, and, you know, you flip the table up, and it's now a, a full drill press. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. It's definitely designed for compactness. Yes. I mean, you're giving up some of the, you know, you, you know some of the freedom of, of having individual tools for the purpose of having more tools for less money in less space. Right. Critical stuff when you're in a home shop. Right. And it's also, uh, I mean, it's the whole system is run off this one, uh, the, the center unit is called a headstock and it slides up and down on rails. And it's, it's basically a one horsepower motor, or I think it's one and an eighth horsepower or something like that. But it's, it's basically one horsepower, uh, is what this one is. Um, some of them uh, back in the day, like 40 years ago came with a, a three quarter horsepower, <laughs> but this one's the, you know, the turbo <laughs> model, you know, um, but uh, and and really, these are and we've talked about it a little bit on the on the podcast before. But they're built um, to be very accurate. But it takes a little time and a little setup to yeah, to right. do these things, and you have to tune it and make sure you take care of it and everything. But um, honestly, it is a great deal of power in a very small package. Well, the big changes for you, the joiner, probably number one big thing. I was really excited um, about that. The bandsaw, actually. Very, very cool. I would say right behind that. Because yep, I can resaw up to, you know. Which right now you, you've been doing, but you've been doing in kind of a BS fashion. Yeah. And and I, I like the way you approach it. You just did it in kind of a crappy fashion and expected to go through a couple of tries to get what you need. Right. You know, and it worked, you <laughs> yeah, know. for but, little projects, but it, now you can do it for real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the belt disc sander is going to be nice. I mean, I know you have a little bench top. Yeah, but this is, uh, first of all, it's a 12-inch disc sander. Second, yeah. the, it's con the, the whole thing about the headstock is it's 
variable speed. Yeah. So yeah. is the bandsaw. Right, so is right, the right. table saw. So it, you know, well, just, and the sander that'll be really yeah, and the sander. It's a world class sander. I know? and I forgot. I need to back up and probably. No, I would say I would say between the uh, uh, probably not in interest right now for you, but but in in functionality and how mm-hmm. much you'll use it between the joiner and the uh, and the bandsaw is the lathe. Yeah, I mean you're probably most yeah. excited about the lathe right now because you've never had one. And most a lathe excited is something yeah. that you can't really duplicate. You can't really low buck your way into. It's yeah. either a lathe or it's not. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you can cheat and and sculpt with a uh, with a you know with a band, uh, with a belt sander and pretend it's a joiner. And yeah. if you try hard enough and you have a good eye for it, you know you can join some things. Yeah, you can make it work. Yeah, but there's no such thing for a lathe. Either no. you have a lathe and you can do you know you can make spindles and you can make you know legs bowls and, and yeah bowls all that and good cups stuff. And stuff. Or you can't. Or you can't. Yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> no just... faking that. And and the other part of it is a lathe is freaking huge. Yeah, you know if yeah. this will do full table legs and and it really does define. I think the lathe defines the shape of the shopsmith. Yeah, I think it's a lathe that's designed with other attachments. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's a good lathe. You know, yeah. it's it's not world class. I don't think, but it's a good lathe, and people use them to great effect and. That's really the trick of the whole system here. You know, I mean, the other one is... That's why it's variable speed. Right. That's why it's variable speed, you know, and, and uh, you know, because uh, you can pay a lot of cash for, for variable speed tools and stuff. But also uh, the drill press, um, very cool. The fact that you can you can flip it up and everything. That's just, it's, it's a great deal of thought and effort put into a very small area. And it's, I mean... It can be tuned down to like a sixty fourth of an inch accuracy, which is more than you're ever going to need, really, realistically, with uh, with building furniture like let's, I do. Let's be serious. This is from a um, man who can build furniture with with uh, you know twenty five dollar skill saw. Yeah. Um, so I'm not so, real worried about that. Um, so it's it provides a great deal. If you're ever, they still you can still order them. Um, especially Mark V. I mean, uh, if, if you you can also uh, if you there's plenty of resources online where you can go and find used ones. Because uh, believe it or not, there is nothing on a shopsmith that you can't replace. Uh, they still they have an excellent parts program. They have excellent uh, dealers and and very knowledgeable people who uh, can walk you through things and and get you what you need. Uh, and everything's marked. It's not like, you know, old German cars or something where, you know, Oh, look at the mark. It doesn't have marks. Well, then you're screwed. You know, it's not like that. You know, um, I was on the phone with, uh, one of the reps the other day and I'm like, man, I, I don't, he's like, tell me what you see, you know? Yeah. And they'll, cool. you know, they can walk you through it, you know? So, um, there, there's really, it's not a bad system. It's well represented and uh, uh, reasonably inexpensive for for what it is. Um, once you get the actual uh, base of the system itself, which is you know the the base part and the headstock, uh, you can design whatever it is you want well, around. Decked that. out system is like four or five grand, right? Right. I mean that's um, new. You know, yeah, I mean, if you yeah, just went if out you to buy one, went out with you got a couple grand burning a hole in your pocket, you could have the entire system for about five grand. Needless to say, there are a lot of used ones floating around. Yes, in various states of of repair. However, all the parts are available. Right. I mean, if uh, if you want to go uh, get one and and crap, you know, the the heart of the system, which is the headstock, is broken, which is where the motor is. Um, you know, fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks will get you a new one. Well, and even like the kinds of stuff that you would expect to be damaged based on abuse, like bearings, bushings, right? You know, order uh, a new one. Yeah, know? they all those parts are available even for the old ones. Right, even for the so. Mark III, or or I don't know about the because there's one version back back in the day. It's like the ten ER. That, yeah. that was sold through Montgomery Wards <laughs> um, that uh, you might have a little it's trouble the, with, but still. Master job. Yeah, it, it was never made by Shopsmith, you know. Ink, <laughs> you know, it's like, ink. yeah. Um, so the uh, the the basic, I mean, even if you have a Mark III, which is kind of older and, you know, the belts are exposed, so, the, you know, the belts are, are mm. coming through. So, which isn't really bad, but even if you have that kind of system, it's available. Um, so it's, it's been around longer than either you and I, I mean, have been around the, the <laughs> Mark five came out, I think in, in like 1960 something or 1950 something. So the system works, it's been around for a while and it works this well. This one's 30 years old. I cleaned it up. It looks almost as good as the day it was new and That's performs awesome. just as good. 
Well, I know you're looking forward to uh, getting out in the shop with it. I am. I got to tune it and calibrate it first, though. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, yeah. And then uh, then I'm sure Dad will be over uh, more often than not. To, <laughs> you know. He's going to need to use it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now that it's decobwebbed and cleaned. <laughs> exactly. and yeah, clean in, working fine, oiled up, waxed. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, I'm sure he'll aside, show up. I feel bad because your 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 dad was a first class dude, both in terms of recognizing the tool significance and the significance to you and to what you do and bringing it over and getting aside, man, that was really cool. Yeah, it was. And I was completely stunned uh, when it <laughs> happened. So it was uh, it was really cool. I think that's about it for this week. Yeah, I think that's uh, going to cover it. We'll see if we can't uh, be a little bit more reliable than uh, indeed. Than, yeah, uh, well, some past weeks. But uh, other than that, hey, you know, it's uh, at least you got this one, and we'll see if we can't do a few more. Have a good time in the shop. That's where we're headed, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>